Welcome to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast, where we interview entertainment pros about their careers and how they became successful in the industry. The secrets to their success here every week. Here's your host, Sean Ventura. Hey everybody, welcome to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Ventura, and I just want to say go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review. I just wanted to mention that this audio podcast was originally a Facebook Live. Today's guest is a great friend of mine. His name is James Intracasso, and he is a producer for TV. He also has a podcast. He's part of a podcast network. He's written a book, and now he's coming out with a board game. So James is going to tell us about all the things he does, and he's a great guy. It's going to be fun. Here we go. Hey everybody, we are live. This is Sean Vittor with the Lights Camera Pro Podcast. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Soon to be LinkedIn, LinkedIn not LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> I'm here with James Intracaso. I never, is it Intracaso or Intracaso? Uh, Intracaso. Intracaso here. Uh, James is an entrepreneur and a producer, and he's got a board game and books and podcasts and podcast networks and so many things going on. It's going to be amazing. Um, so I'm excited. How you doing, James? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> Dude, you're so happy. I remember being, we used to work on this show, Run It Back, uh, years ago with Matt Price, who hopefully is watching. Hey, Matt, what's up? Uh, hey, Matt. Uh, late <laughs> nights till late, late hours, five in the morning, four in the morning. And I remember just being tired and sitting there and working with you for hours and like a year yeah. and a half. And, and you're just happy now. <laughs> it's good to see you all like happy and relaxed. Cause not that we were like miserable, but man, those are some long nights. They really, really were. Yeah. And I remember that there'd be a few times where you and I would be like losing it in the room. Like they want to do what? They want to do what now? Uh, Are they you know, uh, <laughs> it's it's almost three in the morning, right? And we're like, you know, we, we got to change this or, or that or waiting for graphics, that kind of thing. It was a lot of like hurry up and wait, I remember, right? right. It'd be like you get all this stuff at once and you'd be cranking, cranking, cranking. And then it was like, OK, well, now we're going to sit here for, you know, like an hour and a half while we wait for the sound to come back or, or that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was crazy. Right. It was a crazy time. man. But it was that was one of my best times at Turner. So, James. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's talk about bites, man. So, is it bite or bites? Let's just bring this so, up, right? Burn bright. Yeah, burn bright. Yeah, B-R-Y-T-E. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, I think, and I think you, you stumbled upon this when we were working together, too, Sean, that I would, uh, while we were waiting in those long hours sometimes, I was, I was often cruising the Dungeons & Dragons website, right? Um, so, I'm a big nerd. I have been for a long time. And uh, when I was working in TV, I started to uh, blog and write about uh, uh, role-playing games, right? Like right. Dungeons & Dragons, that yep. kind of thing. Uh, and so, Burn Bright is my role-playing game it's a science fantasy game where mm -hmm. like you you can be bugs and robots and uh you know uh all the all the creatures you see pictured here this this crystal person uh you can be them um and so uh so that is the game where like you build a hero basically uh and then uh you go on these different missions to try to save your universe uh which is collapsing right it's right. like um 
it's it's very psychedelic. The universe is like collapsing in on itself. Uh, and what's cool about it is, so I made this game with a bunch of awesome people, uh, but uh, it was was made for a virtual gaming space, like a virtual tabletop. So you can play okay. it around a real table, or right now, right in the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. You can play it, too, on this virtual space called Roll20, um, where you get together and you roll digital dice and that kind of thing. And, and so the game is built in to that virtual tabletop. You can sit down and start playing the game. Very cool. And I'm going to show another picture here. Um, mm-hmm. So this is uh, from the board game, obviously, not the virtual. Tell me what's going on here. Yeah. So uh, so let's see right here. This um, picture that uh, that we're looking at here uh-huh. uh, is oh let's see am I looking at the right thing yes oh uh, has it not come up yet you want me to tell you what's in it yeah oh I got it yeah okay. there it is there it is yes exactly okay just popped up for me so yeah so this actually is in the in the virtual space right um, so the virtual space allows you to like put down these tiles and stuff like that and give uh, art handouts to people that you're playing with. So everybody signs into the virtual table space at once. And like you get a link and you say, we're gonna play the game here. Um, And this is what you look at while you're playing, right? And you you have video connection too, so that you're talking to people. Um, So yeah, so this is what it would look like while you're uh, you're playing the game. This is like one of the adventures that's loaded in. So it's like there's a board loaded up. You can move your figure around the board, your heroes, character around okay um and you you know you like uh fight bad guys and uh and you save uh stop bad things from happening um the cool thing about like a role-playing game right like and i know sean you're like an actor and a director and a writer and you've done all these cool things with your life right Mm -hmm. um role-playing game kind of combines that like you step into the shoes of your character and you say, I want my character to do this. And it could be anything, right? You can right. sit down, roast a marshmallow, punch somebody in the face, uh, give it a stirring speech, right? Um, and then <laughs> the rules are broad, right? And they say, like, this is how we adjudicate this. Um, right. So you roll some dice to figure it out. But you sit down and you don't know what's going to happen. So it's about telling a story with your friends around the table, right? Like saying, how can we play a how can we tell a, a really cool cinematic story? Each one of us is going to be a hero. And then one person is everybody else. So like, you know, you're all the, you're all the, the heroes. You're all the guardians of the galaxy, let's right. say. Right. And then one person is like the director who says, okay. And then, you know, this monster suddenly appears and that director controls the monster or, uh, the person you're trying to save who uh, keeps running off every time something scary happens or that kind of thing. Um, so that's how the, the whole thing works. And then together you kind of tell this story and you play to find out what the story is and what's going to happen. Right. It's very cool, man. I, I, obviously they were doing it in stranger things and I, I played a little dungeon dragons when I was a kid, but is this, mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, adult audience or is it for also kids or everybody? Yeah. So this, uh, this is for, uh, everybody can play. You can certainly dial up some more of like the, the violence and some of the other adult themes mm-hmm. if you want to. Right. Um, but this, I would say kids, you know, ages 12, 12 and up are probably okay. fine to play. Um, 
you know, and uh, and I would say, you know, even eight and up can play. They might need a little help with some of the math and the rules and things like that. But, um, you know, it is uh, that's that's the whole point of the game. It's like you can get a bunch of people together and, and have a really good time. So um, there definitely are some of these sort of Dungeons and Dragons style games that are a little more mature. Uh, but this one isn't one of them. This is a, a, a hopefully broadly appealing to everybody. <laughs> right. Right. And um, you either told me or you had written in an article uh at the press kit for this or something that it took you three years to make this and where where can people f- at, you know after you talk about that for a second where can people find it uh online yeah yeah so uh so yeah it did take us three years to make it right um it essentially this game platform uh roll 20 Put, was putting out other people's games on their thing, right? They they had Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and and other games were coming to them, and they were putting those out. And they said, "We want to make our own," kind of like how Netflix started putting out other people's content, right? And mm-hmm. then they said, "We want to make our own content now um, to go alongside this content." And so they approached me and said will you help us make some stuff? Because I was already uh, designing stuff with Dungeons and Dragons and uh, and that kind of thing. Um, so uh, I had already had contracts at different places. They said, you want to do your own thing? We want to do our own thing. Let's do work together. Um, and so, you know, I helped them put together a team. Uh, and it's just been a lot of like, playtesting and getting this into this virtual table space took a while. And, uh, you know, uh, essentially a playtest is like, um, you write the game and then you play it and then you realize everything that's wrong with it and so you rewrite it, right? right like right. that's that's how playtesting works. So we did a bunch of that um, and uh, a bunch of consultants came in to talk about like, hey, maybe you could change this or make this better. So it was a, a long process, uh, but it was a lot of fun to do. I, I'm really happy with the end result. And now, uh, you know, now it's out there. If people want to check it out, it's at roll20.net. Um, or burnbright.com. You can also find it there. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool, man. Um, so we kind of went backwards. We went to what you're doing right now. That's um, right. And so, which is cool. Um, we can totally go out of order. But I've got a few things here from um, your promos from Discovery, and I also have a run it back clip. So, yes. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with this run it back clip, but what what is going to happen is it's going to go full screen with audio. And we'll just play like a minute to give people an idea and we'll just talk about it a little bit. And then I have the UFO promo and the Wicked Tuna promo. And if you could just talk about those and then we'll go to your book and, uh, and your podcast sure. stuff. So let's just play this and... But these two teams reached the Eastern Conference Finals by stealing from their opponents. Mario Chalmers came off the bench for Miami and sparked an early run with some quick hands and a trio of steals. Easy buckets start at the defensive end, and the best way to get in the open floor is a quick swipe of the ball handler. We got the keys to becoming a shutdown defender like Mario and our technique of the week. This week, it's the art of stealing the ball. The surest method of stopping your opponent is to take the pill away, whether by using fast hands in a one-on-one situation or your six cents to intercept the pass. A steal not only stops your opponent from scoring, but often leads to fast break points for your team. Okay, that's very cool, man. I, I wanted to find, I didn't have time, but I wanted to find the time that Mike Terrell turned the... Uh, 
the players into chicken nuggets. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> but, yeah. But I, but I couldn't find that on my demo or your demo anywhere. Uh, but it was kind of a fun thing to do. We had trivia. It, it, I mean, just tell people about it a little bit. Um, it was, it showed on Cartoon Network at eight in the morning. Um, it was an adult swim in a Turner Studios production, but like what happened there from your perspective? Just. Yeah. Yeah. So that was right. We, uh, this show that I think everybody thought like, oh, this is going to be really easy to make. Right. Yeah. Uh, because I think it started out with like you and Brad, right? Like two editors. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the idea was we would take, you know, one of the big NBA games of the week, usually the game that was on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was usually cause this was in what, 2010 ish. So like it was usually whoever the Miami heat were playing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we would, uh, we would take that game. We'd cut it down to an hour length, which is really, you know, like 44 minutes, right? 42 mm-hmm. to 44 mm-hmm. minutes. Um, we would put a bunch of special effects, like make the net catch on fire make players look super speedy when they were like, you know, on a breakaway down the court, uh, do some slam dunks and slow-mo. And then we would also have these pop-up facts that would come up. And then there would also be these interstitials that were shot with um, Kyle, who you saw in right. the clip there. He was the host of the show, right? Those would be written and shot. Uh, and so usually Thursday night was the game. We'd come in Friday morning and we'd basically work until Sunday at 8 a.m. when the yeah. show would air, right? Um, you know, you'd go home and like sleep for a few hours and then come right back basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was that was it. And, and the way we worked was we would get a, a quarter of the game and we had to, you know um, – write a bunch of pop-ups and put those in the game and cut it down to the length that it needed to be and add in all the special effects working with the graphics team to make that happen uh you know uh and and put in interstitials they also had um interviews that they had like shot with players at the very beginning of the season during Mm -hmm. a press day um so you know they had all these things that they had made outside that we would drop in and stuff like that so uh and you know it was this process of like First, you would go through your quarter and kind of like mark everything and say, we're going to do this special effect here and we're going to do this and we're going to, you know, now let's send that all out. Okay, now let's drop in all of those pop up facts. Right. Um, And request the art that's going to come. Every pop up fact had like a little piece of uh, clip art on it that Mm. would be, you know, uh like LeBron James in a, in a wig or a fancy outfit or something like that. Uh, or Ron Artest laying, laying bricks, like as a bricklayer. Right. right, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but who's the effects guy? Uh, his name was Chris something. Cause oh, yeah. he, he did some crazy effects, man. Very quickly. Like, you know, few hour turnaround to have like a fake Hawk land on somebody's shoulder or, or take a Hawk footage and make it land on someone's shoulder. I don't know what he did, but the chicken yeah. nuggets was probably the, the craziest thing that he did. Turning, turning players and the little chicken nugget bodies. That was a yeah. great idea. Yeah. And that Mike Terrell was uh, just an amazing, right? Like amazing creative producer had all these ideas that he would say, like, can we do this? And Chris would just be like, yep, yep, we can. You know, like (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to try or whatever. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a fun, fun time, a fun group. All right. So we're going to go to Discovery. You went to Discovery channels and you were Mm -hmm. doing promos. You were a producer there. Yeah. So I went to uh, I went to Nat Geo. 
Nat Geo, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. So at Nat Geo, um, yeah, I did uh, producing, uh, creative producer there. So there was a guy who used to work at Cartoon um, named Vincent Arico. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know Vincent when I was there, right? Like we never crossed paths. He had already left Cartoon by the time I, I showed up. I remember that, he, yeah. Yeah, he knew some of the other people. Uh, and he was the one who worked at National Geographic. Um, and so, uh, so, uh, you know, I had some people over there put in a good word. I applied for the job. Uh, and that's, I started as an associate producer there and I was there for about four years and I was a senior producer by the time I left. Um, and I still work with them now. I, I went freelance, but I still work with them all the time now, really? uh, doing okay. promos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, uh, I love working with them. Uh, and I love working at National Geographic graphic and i really enjoy uh doing promo work um for a bunch of different reasons but i think the biggest thing is like promos are short so they're they're faster to make than like a tv show right, right. um although we put run it back together faster than most promos going together um <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're never bored because it's you'll you'll work on a TV show and, uh, you know, you might be there for six, seven years if it goes on long enough. And it's uh, mm -hmm. if you don't like the content, that can be hard. Yeah. Um, and and you don't always, you know, only the the people at the top of that show get to choose really what the content is. Um, whereas like with promo, a lot of the time you're leading the project and you get to say, OK, how am I going to how am I going to take this show like in Nat Geo? Right. It's mm -hmm. always about like a veterinarian or an animal right. or, uh, you know, like some sort of sciencey thing. Right. How am I going to take this and how am I going to uh, to to promote this in a way that hasn't been done before. How am I going to have fun with this? How am I going to make this look really, really cool and sound awesome? And it's like making a bunch of little films. And I love that. I love that. Like okay. I get to work on, I, I get to push out all these awesome ideas and it's usually a little more regular than filmmaking, right? Like it's usually a little more nine to five. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly there's late nights and weekend shoots and stuff like that, but it's not like when you're making a film or a TV show where you're just round the clock, round the clock. So, right. Uh, and can you, yeah. can you put some insight on like discovery, the discovery networks there up in Maryland? Um, so what they have like 12 networks, is it similar to Turner? It's a campus with a bunch of buildings and there's different networks or is it different somehow? Yeah. So the, the big, the big networks up in, yeah, there's there's a bunch that are up in that area. Right. And the first one is Discovery. And they actually just uh, left or a lot of their people, I should say, have left okay. um, in the last year. Yeah, they moved a lot of their people to New York and to L.A. Um, they still that. do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They still have some people there. I think the Science Channel is there um, still. And and so they have a big campus there, though, or they did, I should say. They had this big campus um, that was very similar to Turner. Uh, it, not as big as Turner. Right. Like. Um, but, yeah, you had uh, Discovery Channel uh, ID, uh, the mm -hmm. Science Channel um, travel channel eventually became part of discovery, uh, networks. So, uh, and, and was Nat Geo part of that or were they not part of that? No. So Nat Geo is separate, right? So, oh, okay. so this is really interesting. Uh, so discovery networks owns all those. Right. Nat Geo, when I was working there was owned by news corp. Um, and now Nat Geo is owned by Disney uh, because that's of that what I was going to say. Okay, Disney. Okay. Yeah. So like Nat Geo is on Disney Plus, right? You can watch shows about veterinarians yes, and all yes, kinds of stuff. Yes, I saw that. Okay, so let's show 
Um, let's just do one. We'll show the uh, UFO promo right now, and then you can talk about. It. It's kind of cool, like the, the uh, obviously steady cams. I'm guessing, but you can talk about it afterwards. It's very cool. Moving out over the desert. Do you have eyes on this thing? I do, but I've got to get up higher to get a better look. I see it. Looks like a plane or military aircraft. No way. Gotta be a suppressor. Play nice, boys. Whatever it is, it's moving fast. Ten bucks says it's not a suppressor. I'll meet you in the desert. Guys, guys, it's moving, it's moving. What is that? New episodes Fridays at 10 on the National Geographic Channel. Okay, that's kind of fun. I mean, I love the way it was shot. Like, uh, they're just chasing them around with steady cams, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So this was, there was a lot of steady cam work on this one. And this is actually one of the first promos uh, that I worked on at National Geographic that I got to like script and have a big shoot for and stuff. The first time they they were like, Hey, here's a budget, go make something. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I worked on this with Vincent Enrico, um, you know, uh, a ton of support and a company called, uh, big machine design actually shot it and, and did all the, uh, the editing. We worked with them to do it. Um, and so the concept was chasing UFOs, right? It always Mm -hmm. starts with like, what is the show? Chasing UFOs is a show like Finding Bigfoot, where like people it's actually made by the same production company that makes Finding Bigfoot. Um, You know, uh, these three people uh, go out into deserts and UFO hotspots and try to find in the sky like what's going on. And then, you know, evidence of UFOs and are there aliens in Area 51, that kind of thing. Right. And uh, traditionally, like all those shows go like. They don't find anything, but they don't find nothing either. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they find enough to be like, maybe this is something. Um, And so we were thinking about like, how do we make this exciting and show people that like this is going to be a fun. It was coming out in the summer, summertime ride. Right. And so we came up with this idea of like, what if we. You know, in the show, they run around a lot with cameras on their back and they're they're really going at it. And we're like, what if we really. Uh, you know, like really play that up and make this kind of like an action movie, you know? And so we did, and it was great. Like, um, you know, there are stunt doubles uh, in that, like when the the Mm -hmm. guy gets hit by a car, that's not actually the same dude, right? right? right, That's a stunt double. When she jumps up on and is running along the side of the building, that's a stunt double and that kind of thing. So we had a lot of fun uh, doing that. And and yeah, it's all shot on Steadicam. and, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of late nights out in the California desert, uh, to shoot that one, basically. Very cool. Yeah. I like that one. Um, so you want to do a wicked tuna? Did you do, was that your shoot? Yes. Yes. So um, some it's of like it was something versus something. So yeah. North versus South. North versus South. So let's play that one and you can talk about it. Up North, these wicked captains hunt blue gold. Tuna. Worth up to 20 grand a piece. But they follow the fish into southern waters. And the locals ain't exactly the sharing type. When every captain's got mouths to feed, the only lines they won't cross are the ones they put in the water. 
Wicked Tuna, North versus South. The new series starts Sunday, August 17th at 10 on National Geographic. Very cool, man. I like the graphics. Um, obviously, you have to go on a ship and shoot with them, or they just use footage from the show. So it's a combo of both, right? Um, we shot some stuff and some of it is uh, stuff from the show. Um, and some of it is actually from an earlier shoot that they did. So we okay. can tune a super popular series on National Geographic about guys who fish bluefin tuna um, right. and they can only like fish them one at a time. Right. Um, and so it's all about the battle with the fish and and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the. uh so we had footage from when they had shot with the original Wicked Tuna guys, the North, right? They're from Gloucester, hence Wicked. Um, and then <laughs> these, they go down to the Outer Banks, right? That's the South version of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, uh, no one had shot with the guys from the South yet. So I went down just with the guys from the South um, and we shot that with a company called Shiloh, um, who also did those awesome graphics that you saw. And mm-hmm. we kind of like... The idea was like to take some some of the cool dramatic moments and highlight them almost like a like a comic book panel. Right. With that, like watercolor sort of graphic that you're seeing there. Um, And so we shot some of those cool moments, a lot of those close ups and people looking mean and all the slow mo stuff. Right. Uh, And then we intercut it with the best of the show footage um, and uh, and basically wrote this sort of anthemic script to put under it with a with a narrator talking about, you know, what it's like this this sort of battle between the people from the north and the people from the south and and how it's going to go the show actually has been rebranded it's called wicked tuna outer banks now um, okay that that sort of version of the show but that's the first season of it was wicked tuna north versus south yeah so and it was great and it was fun to shoot with um it was fun to shoot with those guys because they're like not used to you know essentially they they show up and and do whatever is told of them. They do whatever right. is asked of them to do, right? Um, so this was like, hey, like you're not actually gonna catch a fish, right? Like we're <laughs> we're just gonna like throw that harpoon in the water as hard as you can and just look awesome doing it. And they're like, well, yeah, but if I was going to throw it at a fish, you know, I would do it this way. And I was like, no, no, but we just need, you know, like we need it to look like you're Ahab killing Moby Dick, right? right like right, that's right. what we need. So it's a lot of fun. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Let's talk about your book. So this is um, The Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. And mm-hmm. did you write a bunch of books or was this the only one? Yeah. So this is this is one. This is kind of the latest in a in a series. So this is an official Dungeons and Dragons book. Right. Okay. Um, and I've written uh, I, I should say I've, I've been part of a team. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, these books are like 300,000 words and they take a, a, a village to write. Wow. Um, so uh, so but this one is probably the most popular one that I've worked on. Uh, and I wrote a significant chunk of this, um, with a guy. So with a team led by a guy named Matt Mercer, um, Matt is a voice actor in LA and Mm. he has, uh, so, so people live stream themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? Uh, and he has, where, where do they play that on Twitch? 
on Twitch. Yeah, okay. exactly. And, and YouTube and his show is called Critical Role. Mm. And it's like the Game of Thrones of Dungeons and Dragons and that it's super duper popular. Uh, you know, they get uh, hundreds of thousands of viewers every week across YouTube, Twitch, and they're they put out a podcast stream, too. They're doing what mm. you're doing, Sean. Right. Um, yeah. So but just uh, a lot more viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. And it's him and it's all voice actors who are, are playing. Uh, and so, you know, they're really great at like playing up the characters and, mm. and being different people. And it's very dramatic. Um, and so he uh, asked me if I wanted to be on the writing team for this book. And it was awesome because it's his world. Um, and so I would say like, hey, Matt, can I, you know, can I change this? And he'd be like, yeah, sure. You know, go ahead. Uh, or he'd say like, ah, what if we did it this way instead? Like, so it was this really collaborative writing process where we would write and write and write. And every meet week we had like a meeting that would go on for a couple hours and talk about what we were working on and um, just like super duper collaborative. And what was cool about it was the day this book was announced. Um, it was the number one best-selling book on Amazon. So not even like in a wow. category, like in all books, it was all number books. one and wow. it hadn't even come out yet. So that was pretty, pretty cool, uh, to, to have my name on that when that happened. And I'm very proud of the work. The whole team, uh, did, a, did a lot of work and Matt himself, you know, like did the most work by far. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I wrote about 50,000 words for this book. That's yeah. fantastic, man. And it's very cool. I mean, I know some people are like Dungeons and Dragons is for high school kids, but adults do it too. And, um, it sounds exactly like I interviewed a guy, John Viner, who was a writer and voice actor for Family Guy in the Cleveland oh. show and uh, American Dad. And he um, it, it I mean, they sit 12 people in a room and have to write it. But what you're talking about uh, with this writing and this collaboration is very similar to this guy, um, Adam Lapidus, who worked on Sweet Life on Deck and... I want to, I want to say that 70s show. No, that was another guy, but it's this similar thing, whether it's live action or animation or books where a bunch of people get together and write it. Cause it's just too much for one person to write. So everybody's yeah. writing like, you know, pieces, small pieces exactly. of this massive thing. Okay. So your story with podcasting, how do you start? How do you expand? And now you're actually ending your podcast, correct? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, the, the writing work has increased right now and I, I really love doing the writing. So mm -hmm. something had to give. Right. Um, but uh, but I'm, I'm sad about leaving podcasting behind. And the what happened was um, I had this idea to do a, a gaming podcast that was like about news in gaming, right? Interviews with people who do game stuff, kind of like this show, but mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, gaming focused. OK. Um, and uh, but also like uh, getting people to comment about the news and stuff like that. And uh, essentially, this was seven years ago. Uh, I reached out to a guy who had a podcast named Jeff Greiner. Um, and uh, he, he had this podcast called The Tome Show. And I said, hey, I'd like some advice. I'm thinking about doing this. And he said, do you want to come do your podcast on my feed? Right. And he had been doing his show for about 10 years at that point. So I thought, wow. great built in audience. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, and that was very nice of him. He had, had no idea who I was, right? For him to just offer that was very, very kind. Um, and so for three years, I was on his 
thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I started and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to write games and stuff. And now I have this built in audience. Maybe I should start doing that. So that's how the writing started, too. Right. Okay. Uh, and then uh, so after three years with him, I thought like, OK, it's time to to break off and do my own thing. And, and so my friend Rudy, who was also doing stuff on the network uh, or on Jeff's network, we said, Jeff, we're going to start our own network, had like a very amicable parting of ways. Uh, and then for four years, we ran our own podcast network that called Don't Split the Podcast Network, which is a reference to a like an unofficial board game rule. Um, and then uh, and we uh, have a bunch of different shows on there uh all of them are still continuing it's just the network that is ending and my podcast is actually going to keep going but it's going to have a new host um oh. so uh what's so, the yeah, name so of I, it uh, so my podcast is called tabletop babble um okay. because it's the same thing right we're still talking about games with people who make games and people who love games and stuff like that so it's all about tabletop games um and uh and that's going to move over to a network called geek spective uh and new hosts are going to take over uh a woman named amber and her friend uh, kenny and another guy who goes by crossways gm uh it, they are going to take over there uh the show and i'm very excited to become a, a listener of it uh, i think they're going to do uh awesome job. My last question is, is how do you, I want you to give advice to young people who want to do what you do. How do you do it all? How do you find time? Do you not sleep much? What, what is your secret? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I was first, uh, getting started, there was a lot of like not sleeping and, uh, and working on nights and weekends and, and that kind of thing. Cause I was still full time at national geographic, uh, right. when I started doing podcasting and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, one of the things is to, uh, as you're doing these things, plan right like it's a lot of people say like just jump in just do it you know and i i agree right like get in there and do the things you want to do because you shouldn't wait for permission right you shouldn't wait for somebody to say here is money to do this thing you want to do you should make the thing you want to make and then if you can monetize it great Great, but at least you got to do it your way right um and that's a luxury not everybody has that's a privilege not everybody has um but so uh so so part of it was that and then part of it was also uh cutting out some things in life that uh that were not necessarily for me constructive right and so like i uh played a lot of video games like essentially what was happening was uh when i started this my my wife uh had a job where she traveled a lot right Right. and uh and i was like okay well i'll i'll play a lot of video games right and i was like spending hours and hours playing video games and then when i started to do this i was like wow i'm not really playing video games but then i was like yeah but look you just made 10 podcasts right and you can make 10 more and you're gonna have something that lasts that will be you know on the airwaves forever and and people get to listen to them and you know when we're dead and gone aliens will find them and be like what is this about uh and so uh you know like so so part of it is yeah 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 (laughs) right it's for the aliens for the aliens right um but you know so so part of it was uh finding the time because i was like okay this is going to be a thing that 
I I really want to do. And I do like, you know, I still get a lot of time now to watch, you know, Stranger Things and and play games and stuff like that. Um, So but at, at first it was like, okay, I need to put the effort into making this a reality and I'm going to need to do research and I'm going to need to give myself time to screw up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's big Mm -hmm. is like, ah, wow. I, you know, I, I totally deleted that whole thing that I just did and I didn't mean to do that. Now I got to figure out a way to save it or my computer blew up and I need to figure out how I'm going to save the hard drive. Right. Like just like anything else, give yourself time to, uh, to figure it out and, and give yourself like a schedule that works for you. Um, and for me, and I, this is probably true for you too, Sean, I don't know if you found this, like having, I know that content that you put out into the world gets an audience. If you can put it out on a regular basis, right? right. And so giving yourself deadlines because not because like, Hey, I'm going to do this when it's perfect and done because nothing ever is right. Nothing. Yeah. You could just work on it forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you have one great episode of one podcast that nobody listens to. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, so that's like, I would, I would say put out, you know, give yourself a schedule so that you can say and, and make it manageable, right? So mm. if, if you think you can only put out one podcast every other week or you can only put out one game every three years or whatever it is, mm. do that, right? right. But, but then stick to it and then you can always ramp it up, right? Um, or if you need to dial it back, like you got to take care of you. But the, the biggest thing is like plan out your stuff, give yourself a schedule and then be okay, right? Like uh, it is really hard to not compare yourself to other people who are doing what you're doing. Right. And there are going to be people who you look at who you're like, wow, I've been doing this for four years. This other person just came on the scene a month ago and they already have more listeners than me and they, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. Right. Um, but there's somebody looking at you saying, I've been doing this for 10 years and this person just came on the scene, you know? (laughs) So like, just know that like you should only compete with yourself. Uh, be part of your community, right? If there's a community out there doing this, engage with them, put into it what you want to get out of it. Cause they're going to, they're going to help you out. Right. Um, and managing your time starts with like, Hey, I, I really want to sit down and, and make a plan about how to do this. So I take less promo work now because I get more gaming work and I really like the gaming work. Right. I also really love the promo work. So like I'm balancing both and I'm finding a place where I really like to be right. Um, so that I can do it all. And also now, uh, get like a good, you know, eight hours of sleep every night and, and, uh, see my friends and that kind of thing. So that's important. But that's great advice. Uh, I love everything you said. Yeah. Yeah. Where can we find Burr Bright? So Burn Bright, you can find at burnbright.com. That's B-R-Y-T-E.com. Uh, and I'm also always tweeting about it uh, at my name on Twitter, James Intercasso, uh, I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Uh, so, and, and, you know, I'm giving away free copies and stuff like that. So uh, people should check it out. Very cool, man. All right. I'm going to check out your podcast. I'd love to listen to podcast. I can have a fly in here, but I love to, uh, <laughs> I love to listen to podcasts of people I interview and it's great to talk to you, man. I haven't talked to you in six, seven years. It's, uh, it's great to see you. And, and this has been awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm really, really psyched to be here. Yeah. All right, man. Well, you have a great rest of your day and thanks for doing this and, uh, keep in touch and we'll talk soon. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, James. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast, where entertainment pros talk about how they made their dream into a career. Go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks to Bob Jurgens for the rock and VO and Joseph McDade for the music. Next week, we have a great guest. It's author Russell Nohelty. He's written comic books like Katrina Hates the Dead, Ichabod Jones, Monster Hunter, and Pixel Dust. He also has more than a dozen novels that he's written. He's a great guy. It's a lot of fun. Tune in next week.